Quack, quack, quack. Here we go. It is the 12th game of the season, and it could not be bigger. This is Oregon going against the Beavers in Eugene, Oregon. This should be a good game. This is this is two ranked Oregon teams, hopefully not for the last time ever. Hopefully they figure all that out. I mean, there's a lot on the table for this one. So for that, to break down this team, we've got Day of Addicted to Quack, the film reviewer and managing editor. How are you doing, Day? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. Except for the fact that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to sleep up until Saturday. <laughs> and even then, uh, it, that's all depending on the results. Um, uh, I hope you'll be able to sleep on Friday night, given that the game is on Friday. Oh, see? I would have missed the whole thing. All this is, It's just going out the window. And with the turkey from Thanksgiving, no, I'll probably sleep right through this thing. Um, we've got a first-time guest on the Quack 12. Kind of funny timing, as this could be the last time we play the Beavers. I doubt it. I I, I think they'll work something out. But um, Jake Hedberg of Beaver Blitz, we could not be more excited to have you on the show. How's it going, Jake? It's doing great, man. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, Beaver Blitz does a lot of really good work. Um, follow them at Beaver Blitz on Twitter. Follow Jake here at Hedberg, Jake, H-E-D-B-E-R-G. And, uh, well, I don't need to be spelling things out all day. Let's get right into this uh, instead of wasting all this time. Hithleday, take us through this roster. So let's start with the quarterback. DJ Uyunglele transferred in from Clemson. Uh, you know, I think it was a pretty widespread observation about Oregon State over the last couple of years that sort of the missing piece to really take uh, the Beavs to the next level was high-level quarterback play. Jake, what's your assessment? Do you think they've gotten that out of Uyunglele? You know, it's definitely been a mixed bag. There's been ups and downs, which we saw from DJ at Clemson. But overall, compared to the Beavers quarterback play from a season ago, what DJ has done compared to Ben Branson, it's been huge. You know, Oregon State was a very one-dimensional team last season. And with the addition of Uyunglele, they have a downfield passing game that really wasn't present. And it, it really has transformed his offense into one of the better offenses in the Pac-12. Yeah, it's interesting because the, uh, I mean, he's definitely got an arm like, he, you know, you can see the arm talent. You can see why he was so highly rated out of high school um, when it lines up, you know, and it, it comes out of his, you know, when the pass is there yeah. and it comes out of his hand, you can see a zip on it that I haven't seen out of an Oregon State quarterback in you know, like since Jake Luton, frankly. And the other thing is, I mean, regardless of what any sort of like objective assessment of Uyunglele, like clearly the staff trusts him in a way that the staff was sort of in and out on Branson. whether he deserved that or not, like the, the staff didn't just didn't like trust him or, or really anybody in that quarterback room over the last couple of years and not true of Uyunglele. Now, just to quickly dispel any sort of notion, because Aiden Childs, the true freshman, does come in and play some snaps just in case anybody, you know, maybe. Maybe he's looking at the box score and saying, hey, this backup quarterback gets a lot of run. Does that indicate that the staff has a problem with the starter? No, not at all. That's a planned thing. He always plays the third drive. Do I have that right? Uh, yes. The last eight games now, he has played the last third or he has played the, th the third drive. Yeah. 
So like that, that doesn't have anything to do with like, you know, lack of confidence in the quarterback. And do you agree with that, that assessment that like, you know, the staff is fully confident in, you know, Uyunglele and that, that, you know, probably has some value, you know, that they're not like, you know, sort of playing head games or, or, you know, with, with the quarterback that it's like, Hey, we know we're, we, we believe that, you know, what you're doing DJ, you know, go out there and do it. Right. Yeah, completely. I mean, the staff has shown a trust in DJ all season long. Aiden Childs, on the other hand, he is the most talented Oregon State quarterback in recent memory. Uh, he is too talented to keep off the field, and the coaching staff was looking for a way to kind of get him involved in the game plan, and they came up with this third drive of every game where he's been pretty solid, uh, four touchdown passes and over 300 passing yards. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's interesting. You know, as I as I mentioned before we started recording, you know, I've got all of Oregon State's games charted. You know, this season in Childs. I mean, he he doesn't have nearly the same number of reps as Uyunglele, and so this is it's a bit of a sample size issue. But actually, Childs per play numbers are a little bit better. He averages nine point two five yards per. You know, excluding garbage time in the FCS game, he averages nine point two five yards per attempt, and Uyunglele is you know eight point five eight. His efficiency rates a little bit higher. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I, I think that dude's got a bright future for, for Oregon State, you know, so, and he's doing that as a true freshman. Uh, you know, I totally agree with you. The thing that I will note hasn't, hasn't really changed about Oregon State between this year and the previous couple of years is the, the passing efficiency rate, like the, the explosiveness rate has gone up simply because both Uyunglele and Lule and Childs have the ability to really get that ball down the field. They've got the arm talent. So when they do connect, it can be for big plays. And this offense does have a lot of big plays in it. But the efficiency rate, there's a lot of incomplete passes, like a lot of incomplete passes. And the sort of the third down, like third and long conversion rate it's still got the numbers for the 2021 2022 2023 seasons and it's it's the same number you know no matter who the quarterback is or what the offense is it's you know it's about 31 percent you know if you get this offense into third and long they're going to pass and they're only going to convert it at about a 31 percent you know rate and it you know and it doesn't matter whether it's Gilbranson or Nolan or Uyunglele or Childs or it doesn't matter you know who the quarterback is that it's just like it's it's not really my observation I want to know what your opinion on this is Jake if you disagree with me is that like if you this is an offense where if you get it behind the chains they sort of they have a hard time operating behind the chains and that DJU hasn't really changed that do you think I'm off base what do you think yeah you know Oregon State has struggled in third and long situations uh I do think they have been a little better this year in that aspect um in years past they haven't really they've had a lot more of those third and longs whereas this year they've had less of them but with with DJ, there has been issues pushing the ball downfield in third and long. Um, I do feel like part of that is Oregon State really doesn't have a standout go-to receiver like they like they have had in years past. That's a good guys point. Like, like this it does take two to have, tango, doesn't it? Yes, it, it, it does. It, it's it, not exactly a fair comparison between – because they, they don't have Lindsey, they don't have Harrison. So, like, even, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So, yeah, mm -hmm. good point. I'm sorry. Please continue. Yeah, and, like, a team this year, they don't have a guy like Isaiah Hodgins, who they've had in past years that can right. go up and get those balls in the big plays. 
both of Oregon State's two two starting wideouts are five eight, smaller mm-hmm. guys that struggle uh, in jump ball down down the field situations. Well, let's uh, actually, you know what? Let's talk about the receiver core. I, you know, obviously the 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 start of the show for for Oregon State's offense is the run game and the offensive line. So, I, I, you know, I I am going to talk about those guys definitely. But but let's talk about the wide receivers as relevant to the receiving game or, or the, the 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 passing offense. Uh, you bring up a good point. You know, and, and I may be being a little unfair to Uyunglele because you're right. It's it's a bit apples and oranges because Gold Branson and Nolan et cetera and Gebby and and the other guys uh you know were throwing to what was probably a more let's say diverse uh, a wide receiver core right like and not just wide receivers but also tight ends you know velling the the tight end sort of came on about mid-season but even even then there's only one of them right like this isn't the the Katoriano and and Musgrave or Katoriano and, and Togiai show anymore you know the it really is like they've got like, you know, one receiving, you know, they got like Terry from Cal. I don't really think he's, you know, been a great uh, receiving uh, threat. Uh, and uh, and then I was also sort of surprised over the offseason, you know, given that they lost um, Lindsay and Harrison, um, that that Oregon State was not more aggressive at getting more wide receiver talent out of the portal. I really thought that this was a strike while the iron is hot situation coming off of such a great 2022 situation, you know, a season. And, you know, they, they got nobody, you know, and in fact, they lost people, right? You know, they lost Harrison and Dunmore or and Lindsay, you know, Dunmore and Tongue, both, you know, the other four stars that they got, you know, both while their washouts uh you know they got a couple of jucos but we never really seen them you you know what i mean like did did this seem like a strange situation to you uh jake yeah definitely there was there was uh concern and a little bit of confusion about um the coaching staff's really decision not to pursue a third guy in the portal they had two guys in anthony gould and silas bolden that were experienced and that they were confident in sure but there was hope uh, and really an expectation from the fan base that they were going to go after a third taller guy to, you know, be that third down safety valve. And we've seen this year without having a, th- a third guy, there's been a handful of guys but step up and have a big game or two, but no one that's re- really been a consistent third option all season. Well, and it's surprising because like the, you know, passes are really only going to three guys, well, three guys plus the running back, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whichever running back is in, um, you know, it's Gould and Bolden, which like, uh, you know, I, I got no criticism for Gould and Bolden f- for what they are. But as you say, they're five, eight dudes. And frankly, five, eight is maybe being a little generous, um, <laughs> you know, and then Velling. And even then with Velling, like I said, like, it, it's sort of like they didn't know they had him for a couple of weeks of the season. Um, you know what I mean? Um, and it's not like he's the only tight end on the team. You know, like I said, they got Terry from Jeremy Terry from Cal. They got, you know, Overman's and sticking around. They converted an OLB Riley Sharp to be a tight end, which I think was a mistake. Like I, I thought that guy was a really valuable OLB and, and, uh, I'm, you know, he hasn't been doing anything as a tight end. Um, and so it's like, yeah, you know, 
I mean, virtually, I mean, it's not 100%, 100%, but it's like pretty close to every pass is it's going to be Gould or Bolden, Bolden or Velling or the running back. And then whoever the fifth guy on the field is, you might as well forget about on passes and go in that guy's way. Um, do you, is that a fair observation? I mean, yeah, it's fair. I, I do think uh, in terms of tight ends, Jermaine Terry and Riley Sharp are more of blocking tight ends. Mm. Um, aren't really utilized heavily in the past game. Uh, whereas J- Jack Bellion has been fantastic, uh, especially in the red zone. He leads the country in touchdowns for tight ends. He's, and, and he's in my opinion, one of the better tight ends in the country. And then in terms of the receiving core, I do agree that most of the balls go to Gould and Bolden. There are a handful of guys that will see a target or two, whether that's Josiah Iris, Jimmy Vallison. There's a handful of guys, but Oregon State really needed one of them to step out, excuse me, to step up throughout the season. And we really haven't had one of those guys step up consistently. Yeah, I, you know, I was really surprised, you know, because we saw a couple of guys in the spring game, like, you know, Trevor Pope played in the spring game, yeah. uh, Carson Boshma. Um, I, you know, they got, they got a, a, a Juco, I think they were excited about, a uh, Jamai East. East. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then they got four uh, true freshmen. You know, I guess it's not that surprising to not see true freshmen. Like one of them's fairly tall, David Wells. Um, and, and, and yeah, and, and like, and the other thing is that like some of those, you know, returners like Jeremiah Noga, you, you mentioned the other one, Jimmy Valson, um, you know, those are all tall guys, you know? And so, and and like, I've been watching Jonathan Smith's passing offenses for a long time. And I was watching him back when he was at Washington and like, I know he likes having them, you know, it's not like he doesn't know how to use them. And so I'm just sort of like, if you weren't happy with him, you should have gotten more of them. I don't know. I don't, all right. That's enough of those questions. The, I just wanted to verify that, like, you're seeing the same thing that I am on the field. All right. Let's talk about those running backs. Obviously, Damian Martinez and John Fenwick, you know, great backs. I, I really got no questions here. You, you know, both of them are, are having pretty good seasons. I do have a question about Isaiah Newell because he was the other returning back. You know, last year he had 5.4 yards per carry, not on a ton of carries or anything, but I was sort of expecting, given that they lost Jam griffin and and they lost a couple other guys including one to a a kind of crazy legal issue i was sort of expecting hey let's get the third back in here and so i was expecting isaiah newell to have more carries and then we really haven't seen that at all Uh, have i missed something or just something going on is he injured or or what do you know jake yeah um this one was a little confusing to us as well um isaiah newell actually split time with fenwick during fall camp as the second back and Mm -hmm. While we weren't expecting their carries to necessarily be equal, we definitely thought Newell's usage would be higher than it is. Um, it has ramped up over the last couple of weeks, and we have seen him play more, um, not necessarily getting the carries, but he's been getting reps at fullback, you know, as a pass protection back. Um, really, right now, I'm expecting Oregon State to ride Damian Martinez hard in this game. He has been playing his best football over the past three games and we've started to see the gap between Martinez and Fenwick in terms of usage widen and that has widened from game to game to game. Um, so expect a whole lot of Damien on Friday. You know, the crazy thing about Damien Martinez is that, you know, this is his true sophomore year, you know, yeah. Oregon state Young. gets him for one more year. I mean, assuming that nobody else use him. Um, <laughs> gallows humor there the uh, although i think deshaun fenwick is finally done he started playing football in like 2018 <laughs> 
I guess that is something that I'm a little curious about is like, I, I sort of think the roster management in this room is a little weird. Like I, I would have expected, you know, given how much Oregon state leans on its running mm-hmm. game, I would have expected them to just have got, you know, like the wide receiver room. I'm sort of like, where are all the other dudes, you know, like, yeah, uh, you know they, what I mean? Yeah. You know, right now they have three scholarship backs, which is one of the lowest numbers for any division one team in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, circumstances obviously the junior college kid they had committed that didn't pan out for a reason and then um jam griffin he hit the portal the day before fall camp started landed at Ole miss and the staff wasn't necessarily prepared for that there were were extenuant circumstances for griffin personally that led to that decision but they weren't really prepared for that and it did kind of leave them scrambling at that time, it was tough to hit the portal for another guy or the well, junior college ranks. Well, so. sure, but I, but like this is Griffin's last year too. So even if he had stuck around, I mean, they were still going to lose Fenwick and Griffin. And I mean, they haven't been playing Newell. Uh, you know, I don't know what his story. I mean, it was going to be. I mean, next year, even if Griffin had stuck around in Corvallis, I mean, like it was going to be Martinez and Newell. And that's it, you know, like, yeah, uh, I, I they do still... have two freshman running backs right. lined up for next year, but so oh, one you of mean them in... may have to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. That was the other thing is they didn't take any freshmen out of the, yeah. uh, you know, out of the prep ranks this year, which like, yeah, that was a little surprising. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line. We have, we have seen the starters for most of the year have been more or less what I expected. Uh, uh, you know, we've seen uh, Joshua Gray at left tackle, seen Hanelli Bloomfield uh, at left guard. We saw uh, Jake Levengood at center, Miller at right guard, although that had moved him over because in the past he'd play on the other side. Hallis Fuaga at right tackle. Now, well, first of all, let me pause. I get that all right for, for most of the year what the starters were. Yes, yes. Okay. So here was the situation. Levin Good, the center, uh, got hurt in week nine against Arizona. And what they did was they moved Miller over from right guard to snap the ball. And then they got Stark off the bench. Stark was the transfer who came in from Nevada. And actually, I had I thought was going to play tackle. So it was interesting they had him playing guard. Yeah, so did we. Yeah. Also, incidentally, from Springfield, Oregon, so local boy I like that. Anyway, fine. You know, whatever. Uh, but then for the Washington game last week, Levin Good finally was back and he was snapping the ball and he looked fine. So they went back to their, you know, their normal configuration. You know, Stark went back to the bench. Miller went back to right guard. But then in the fourth quarter against Washington, uh, Bloomfield, uh, the left guard, got hurt. And number one, I, I have read that his season may be done. Yes. Yep. That sucks. That really sucks. He can't. He yeah. was a transfer, I think, Utah State. Um, yep. Utah yeah. Utah State transfer. Huge yeah. loss for Oregon State. Yeah, that really stinks. Um, now, here's the thing that was really uh, caught my attention. In I figured that they would just, you know, stick Stark in, you know, because like, hey, that's what they did, you know, previously when they needed a guard. But instead, what they were doing at the end of the Washington game was they stuck in Flavio Gonzalez, who was the uh, the unrated Juco from Butler CC, who they got last cycle. And I, I had basically, I saw him, I think, in like one snap in a previous game. I was really, with like the game on the line, I was really surprised that they put Gonzalez in. Uh, what's up with that? So, Grant Stark got injured in the second half of the Stanford game. He did not oh. dress for Washington. 
Oh, uh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. chart the, I didn't chart garbage time. And that game went to garbage time real quick. Yeah, real fast. So. <laughs> real fast. Yeah. So Stark did suffer um, a small injury. We, uh, Jonathan Smith hasn't said whether he is full go limited um, or unavailable for Saturday or for, for Friday. But what we do know is that Stark and Gonzalez have split reps heading into uh, kickoff on Friday so far. If Stark is healthy, it will be Stark. But if not, it will be Clavio, and that will be his first career start, which will be a hostile huh. environment. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, uh, well, good information. Uh, thank you. Um, the Otherwise, the rest of the line looks like, you know, normal operations. You know, uh, yep. great left tackle, uh, 11 good at center, Miller right guard, Fuaga right tackle. I believe Fuaga has been incredible he's worked his way into day one of the nfl draft consideration um really one of the best offensive tackles in the entire country and seeing him go up against these U of O edge rushers is going to be a good matchup to watch on friday yeah uh, i'm i'm definitely looking forward to it for my money i think the jim halchick's the the best offensive yeah. line coach working in, in maybe in the country i have to admit one of the things that has tariff uh, like prospects that keeps me up at night is like usc finally getting their act together and swiping jim halchick from oregon state um uh, uh i imagine that sort of terrifies oregon state fans too uh but like yes. um <laughs> Yeah, like if you know that, I mean, it's been a big problem at USC for a long time. They've never been able to figure out their their offensive line situation. I'm sort of like, don't don't figure out that it's Jim. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. No, I it, uh, what a great coach. I do. I sort of think the depth situation. I mean, I think it's sort of inherent to Oregon State situation that they sort of you know they get low to mid three stars or even some unrated guys, and then they sort of have. They, they they let them cook in the oven like the, and then the, they're they're playing as like redshirt juniors redshirt seniors kind of guys i sort of understood why they why they were putting in a juco you know because they've got other guys on the squad dylan lopez and luca vinchik and and nathan elu and, and jacob strand you know all of whom are, are three stars but everybody i just mentioned i believe is redshirt freshmen so like yeah you know i get it why they went to to, to the juco you know I've, you know what i mean yeah you know, Coach M, he is one of the best developers of talent. A few of those redshirt freshmen are unavailable. No. Lopez specifically has not been dressed. But that was a little surprising from our end, at least. You know, Luka Vincic is a guy that's played in a lot of games this year and is a guy the coaching staff is high on. And he was kind of the guy that we were expecting to see in there instead of Flavio. Really? Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see how that goes. You know, honestly, it's, you know, the thing about Bloomfield is that like of the dudes on the line, he was the dude, you know, I hand out offensive line grades like Bloomfield. I sort of thought was, I, I'm not trying to like disrespect the, I was about to say not to the dead, but I'm like, wait a minute, he's not dead. He's just hurt. Like, but anyway, like he did grade out the lowest. I sort of thought like there was maybe a point of vulnerability there because Oregon's, you know, interior pass rush is pretty good too. And I was sort of interested to see how, how that would go. And so like, you know, him getting replaced with, with a new guy, like, well, we'll, we'll see how that goes too. You know, I, 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 
it, it will be interesting. You're definitely right about Fuaga and Gray. Those guys don't really give up a lot, you know, around the edges. It's also going to be interesting, to, you know, because Oregon State, you know, leans on the run game so much. And as we were talking about on the top, it's a team that really wants to get it going on first down. Just their their drive efficiency rate, it's very stark. If they're successful on first down, you know, they tend to score on those drives. If they're not successful on first down, they tend to punt down the line being able to run successfully on first down is like yeah <laughs> uh that's how you do it well aaron hate to say it but the time machine is broken i mean this whole thing was running off the power of your cell phone and obviously when we hit 1894 there's no longer cell service or wi-fi connection so not gonna lie i did not think this through God almighty, Adam, what are we supposed to do now? I mean, we're in Eugene, Oregon in 1894. We could check out the very first duck game. Maybe it's a good thing. No, it's not good. Look, we've already been here for about five days, and the very first thing I learned living in Eugene, Oregon, is that shows have been banned that are quote-unquote unchaste and demoralizing. And that's kind of the only kind of content we know how to make, dude. We can review every duck season as it happens. Even the children here are freaky. Then post it on the Quack 12 Patreon in the future. I mean, it's just really hard to not spoil, you know, tragic national events. Imagine it, a weekly show dedicated to Oregon football history with two charismatic time-traveling stoner hosts. We live in the most expensive house in Eugene, and it's a fucking shack. And the most beautiful thing about it? We can charge them a measly five bucks in the future, and when we get it in the past, we'll be freaking millionaires comparatively. And I'm talking robber baron status, baby. Adam, I make bugs fight in a shoebox just to simulate television. All listeners would have to do is go to patreon.com slash quack12 and sign up for hundreds of hours of duck entertainment. But the hooch is good. In fact, it's kind of got me wanting to try my my own hand at it. That's right. For a measly $5 a month, that's patreon.com slash quack12. Now let's go watch them lemon yellows give those hay seeds what for. And keep your eye out for Dr. Schroeder's blueberry wine. All right, let's switch over and talk about the defense. This, you know, since Trent Bray took over, he inherited the, you know, the roster and sort of the system from Tim Tibisar. He did make, you know, starting, I, I think we started to see it in the bowl game, um, uh, you know, year before. Uh, it's been, in, you know, where where the system that he inherited was a 3-4, but then they didn't really have a nose tackle. And it was sort of like an embarrassed 3-4. Um, and the, this, the, the sort of change up that Bray made that was just to embrace, you know, it's just like, well, we just don't have it. You know, like the, the, the nose keeps leaving. Like, I think it was last year where it's like both. Both of the noses left in fall camp and it was like oh, what this isn't cool um and so anyway he's really embraced the sort of like it's a well it's a it's an even surface whether you want to call it a four down front or a two you know a two four five sort of doesn't matter it's an even surface they definitely have like identifiably two big interior linemen and then two edge guys i'll stop for a second have i 
got all that correct? You know, do, do you agree with it's, that? It is a, it, it's a very tough defense to get a handle of and like describe, but I would best describe it as a two, four, five. It's listed as a three, three, five. Yeah. But it's more of a two, four, five with the DN spot being a, another right. outside backer, essentially. It, it's because, like, officially on the roster, they describe mm-hmm. Sione Lilahea as a defensive end. Except when you actually watch him play, like his He's assignment. In a two point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His assignment, precisely. His stance and his assignments are indistinguishable mm-hmm. from the OLBs. So it's like, which is yeah, yeah. It's pretty much this. It's pretty much two two D tackles, two outside backers slash DNs, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Two middle backers, two corners, two safeties, and then a nickel. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, whether, whether in my opinion, it's not, you know, whether calling it a three, three, five, I think is a mistake, you know, now, whether you want to call it a, a, a two, four, five or a four, two, five, like, oh, is maybe a question of semantics, but like, it's definitely an even surface and they're definitely not playing with a nose tackle. And the way that I know that they're not playing with a nose tackle is there is no nose tackle. Like it's very clear that, they, you know, it's definitely, you know, too big down, you know, lineman up in the front. Here's where I start to have questions um, about, I'll start with those two big defensive tackles. I think that I've only seen four of them, which is, you know, that's fine for, you know, an appropriate rotation. If you need to rotating four, you know, fine. The the dudes that I've seen have been uh, James Rawls, 52, uh, uh, Isaac Hodgins, 99. Boy, that guy's been around forever. Uh, Rawls and Hodgins. Oh my God. It's like those guys, I I think, (laughs) you know, were were being recruited during the Obama administration. Joe Golden, um, who was the, who, who, who also has been playing since 2018, but, but like came in a little later. I think he was an FC transfer yeah and then uh samisi saluni um who i think came off of an uh, an lbs mission uh, he also is a sort of a, a little more recent addition those four and then i don't think i've seen anybody else do i have that right quincy wright has played a little bit richard freshman three star yeah. from texas he's played a little bit seen tavis shippen another guy who's been here a while but they really haven't seen significant snaps yeah yeah, that yeah that that matches up. The, the guy who I haven't seen, and I've been surprised by, is Jacob Schuster, the Minnesota transfer. He is n- ineligible to play this year. Oh, okay. Well, that answers so, that. We'll not see him until twenty twenty four. And then I guess it's it's not really a surprise, but just confirming it. The uh, the two true freshmen, Abraham Johnson and Thomas Collins, uh, also they're redshirting this year. Yeah, Collins has played three games, and oh, he's one to watch in the future. He had yeah. a huge fall camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw him in the spring game, and I thought he looked pretty good. And you know, that's yeah. why I wanted to confirm it. Okay, so the the thing to you know that I will observe about performance, you know, for the uh, that's sort of most relevant for the defensive tackles is the there's kind of a split in the rush defense where this defense is pretty effective at stopping you from getting big runs. Like they're, they're allowing, uh, you know, when one adjusts for uh, uh, to exclude garbage time and also to, you know, cap runs at 40 yards, um, they're allowing about 4.8 yards per carry, which is a decent number. You know, they, they tend not to allow, you know, and they're only allowing about 15% of runs to gain 10 plus yards, which is, you know, per, per, you know, pretty, 
it's an okay number. Like it's not like a crazy, you know, Oregon just played two teams, you know, back to back that was allowing like 25%, like just bonkers amount of explosive runs and Oregon State ain't like that. Um, on the other hand, their, their defense against efficiency runs is, is a bit underwater. They're, they're, they're allowing opponents to, to, um, to get, have successful plays given the, the, the down and distance, you know, when they run the ball about 55% of the time. And, uh, and in particular in short yardage, um, they're really having a difficult time stopping the run. Like they're on second and short, they're only successful about 26% of the time on third and short. They're only successful 7% of the time. Like if you want to, if it's third and short, you can just run the ball, you know, on these guys. And I think that's, you know, I think that's because, Hey, it's a two down front. They just don't have a nose. And if you just want to muscle up and pound it on them, you can be successful doing that. Jake, does that match up with your observations or do you want to push back on that? What do you think? Yeah. You know, they, they have been compared to years past. This has been a better Oregon state defensive line, but there has still been issues at times, specifically in short yardage situations and stopping the run. I would, I would agree with that. Okay. So then the, the, the ends or the OLBs or the edges or whatever you want to call them. So as I, as I noted, when we're talking about the tight ends, they, they had Riley Sharp converted uh, to a, a tight end, which like I said, I, I always like that guy as an OLB. I sort of thought it was a mistake, but whatever, what's done's done. But otherwise, I don't think they lost. I mean, they lost Cade Brownholtz, you know, who who got a little bit of run last year. But otherwise, I don't think they lost anybody. The the, the guys who I've, uh, which is saying something because they, you know, every other defensive position off of last year's squad, they, I mean, they lost a ton, you know, at defensive tackle, at inside linebacker, at cornerback, at safety, every, every other position, they lost a ton. But edges, you know, they pretty much brought everybody back. So they brought back John McCartan, Sione Lolahea, Andrew Chatfield, Corey Stover. Those are the four guys that I've been seeing in the rotation, which again, you need two guys. You got four in the rotation. Those are appropriate numbers. If I missed anybody. No, those are the main four guys yeah. um, that have played. I have been a little surprised just out of curiosity. Um, I haven't seen the Wyoming transfer Oluwasehi uh, Omotosho. Uh, is there some problem with his eligibility as well? No, um, he has played on special teams. Um, the second half of the season, he got a snap against or, uh, a few snaps against Stanford, which one of mm. them ended up being a strip sack, actually. Um, mm. Which that one's been a little confusing for us because yeah. he was a, a guy who. Um, I mean, he was we a real really terror at Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was. He was. A lot of people thought he was going to be Oregon State's best pass rusher this season, but. Um, there were guys ahead of him in the system that have yeah. played and are a lot more experienced and they've kind of seen a lot more of the playing time this, this season than Oluishi Omotosu has. Hmm. I also haven't, well, maybe you've answered my question already about why, but like, I, you know, I haven't seen the Juco that they brought in, Nico Taylor, and I haven't seen the really exciting true freshman um, that I saw in the spring game, Kelsey Howard. Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, uh, Kelsey Howard. The, the coaching staff planned on redshirting him. He suffered a season-ending injury oh. in practice. Oh, that sucks. Anyways, uh, in October, I believe. So he's done for the rest of the season. He just had surgery yesterday, actually. And then Nico Taylor has been a special teams standout. Hasn't seen a whole ton of burn defensively, though. And then... And then just to uh, just to tick tick them off my my list, I also haven't the, the returners from last year. I haven't seen uh, Matthias Malachi Donaldson. I haven't seen Takari Hickel. I haven't seen Ryan Frankie. Um, 
th- those guys, I don't think they really played last year, and I haven't really seen them this year either. Uh, yeah, Frankie and Matthias Malachi Donaldson both have not played. Mm-hmm. They were dealing with injuries in fall camp. I'm not sure as to whether those carried on into the season. Coach Smith usually doesn't give away a whole lot, especially if guys aren't you know, first or second string players. And then we have seen Dakari Hickel a little bit more in blowouts. He was a guy who had a really good fall camp. He had two, he has two sacks so far this season. Expecting big things from Takari in the future, but this year there's some guys in front of him. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, inside linebackers. Yeah. So, uh, well, this is interesting because sort of, I, in many ways, been the, what I what I felt has been the calling card of Oregon State's defense for a long time. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, quite a bit of personnel transfer after the 2022 or, or turnover. You know, uh, uh, the you know Omar Spates, uh, you know, went off to to LSU. Kyrie Fisher finally ran out of eligibility. Uh, that guy was like sleeping in his car at one point. Uh, Jack Coletto, uh, uh, finally, you know, is is incredible. One of my favorite players of all time. You know, off they brought back Est- Mascarenas Arnold. Uh, you know, he's a starter. I don't really have any questions about him. They got you know out of the transfer portal Calvin Hart, number two, who had been previously at Illinois and North Carolina State. And then that's basically it. Like, I think I've really only seen two inside linebackers. I, I, I've i seen like a little bit of the backup redshirt freshman Melvin Jordan, I think, number 44. Yep. And then like a tiny little bit, like a handful of garbage time snaps for John Miller, number 20. But like, you know, obviously didn't see Micaiah Tung, who was the the four star receiver from Georgia, um, who then, you know, was a washout and then he, he left for the program. I haven't seen Michael Earhart. I haven't seen Cord Shaw. I didn't see the Utah dude who transferred in Mason Tufaga. Have I am I missing something? Is there something what what what's going on here, Jake? Why am I only seeing two dudes? Yeah. So uh, Tung, Micaiah Tung, former four star played at Georgia, a receiver, transferred to Oregon State, played two years of receiver here. He he was a guy the coaching staff was really high on. He started the game actually um, against UC Davis, but he suffered a devastating knee injury. Oh. He tore LCL, MCL, ACL, and meniscus. Wow. Batting uh, for the cycle. So he will be out, we are imagining, for next So he's year. still on the team, but he's yes. – Okay. Yes, devastating injury well that really stinks like now i feel bad Mm -hmm. for making fun of him i mean i'm still gonna make fun of him for being washed out of a wide receiver but like that it sucks that he got hurt as a linebacker you know there are second chances in american life tongue honestly looked really good at the linebacker spot um all all camps so that was tough one there was a guy the coaching staff was really looking forward to uh john miller is also injured not not expecting to see him for the rest of the season Cord Shaw injured out for the season. Wow. Mason Tufanga, the Utah transfer, also out as well. Um, out with really, an injury? Yes. This, wow. This defense, particularly in the linebacking and secondary core, has is dealing with injuries. Not a whole ton of depth. Um, Melvin Jordan, the redshirt freshman um, from Florida, who was a higher recruited kid for mm-hmm. uh what Oregon State tends to get, he's yeah, he's a, he was like a point eight eight one six, which is like, cl- yeah, high high three star, almost a, yeah, a borderline four star, yeah. He's looked really good this year. He has a little bit of this undersized guy, he's only five eleven, but he he's looked solid in relief. And if something would happen to Hart or Haskarenas, 
I would bet that Melvin Jordan would be the guy that steps up and takes that role. But like there, I understand that as a, as a, like, if he gets hurt, he, that's the dude who's in, but in terms of like rotational strategy, like it seems to me and, and Jake, if you think I'm wrong about this, please tell me, it seems like they don't have a rotational strategy. It seems like their strategy is Mascarenas, Arnold and Hart are just going to play the entire game. Do I have that right? They really don't rotate a lot. Trent Bray does incorporate three linebacker sets every occasionally. And when that does happen, Jordan is that third guy. Mm -hmm. um, we did see Jordan rotate in. There are some games where he does play more. Um, he played more against UCLA, whereas like this past week against Washington, I don't believe he got a snap on defense. Mm -hmm. um, so it is more of a game-to-game -game thing, but pr primarily it is just a – a two-man show at that linebacker spot. Well, it's just that, you know, in the past, I've seen, you know, up to a four. Well, okay, two different observations. First is, in the past, I have seen both Tibisar and Bray use up to a four or even five-man rotation for the two ILB spots in the nickel defense. Um, you know, when, and it seemed to me they were doing that because they had dudes that they trusted, you know, Spates and, oh my gosh, Robert. thank you. And Fisher and Mascarenas Arnold and Coletto, you know, in fact, I, I think there was like, uh, two solid years there, 21 and 22 in which they had like all, all of those dudes simultaneously, or what maybe it was 20 and 21, um, where they had all five of those dudes simultaneously and, uh, and, and yeah, and they would freely rotate them, you know? So, so like everybody was like fairly fresh and it's, it's sort of, sort of strikes me that like, well, probably, well, I, w I was going to make the observation that like, well, maybe they don't trust these dudes, but now you just told me that it's a graveyard. So maybe it doesn't have anything to do with trust. It's just like, well, this is all the dudes they have healthy. Depth is an issue there. They really only have one besides Jordan, they really have only one other backup inside linebacker who's seen action. And that's true freshman Isaiah Chisholm, who's already played in his four games and they are trying to keep his red shirt. Yeah. So, and then, they, yeah, they and that, because this is the type of team that definitely, unlike some teams that sort of like, we don't care about red shirts, you're going to be gone in three years anyway. Oregon State's not that type of team. They are definitely a team that's like, we do care about red shirts. Yeah. We're, we are planning on you being here for five years. So yeah, that's, that's a good note, Jake. What about Michael Earhart? I haven't seen him. He is on scholarship. Uh, he's been around for a while. Uh, I think he's a redshirt junior who started out in the 2019 cycle. Uh, what's up with him? He's just more of a special teams guy, not uh, as good or really as fast or as strong as okay. Hart, Mascarenas, Jordan, or Chisholm. He would be that fifth backer in case in case stuff goes really bad, but I wouldn't anticipate seeing him play on defense. And then the other observation that I had, you already uh, noted it, but it is uh, interesting, is that one of the th other things that uh, Bray has changed from uh, from Tibisar's system, uh, one of them I already noted, which is just fully embracing the, the, the we don't have a nose, you know, we're going to be an even surface thing. Um, uh, the other one is, yeah, that the, the three linebacker, you know, when... 
when opposing offenses go to their heavy sets, um, that rather than putting that rather than going to a three down, you know, going to a bare front, that their response is they keep the even surface and they put in a third linebacker. Yeah. And that which is interesting. That's not how Tibisar did it. And in fact, it's not even really how Bray did it as recently as last year. That's sort of been um a wrinkle that he's introduced mm-hmm. this year. But then it's sort of been defeated by this. It's been cramped. I'll I'll put it that way by this injury situation. Um, yeah. So yeah, that well that stinks. Okay, let's talk about the secondary. This this too is like oh my gosh, injuries. They are very banged up in the secondary. Yeah, really. Um, I I I I saw some news about Akili Arnold. Um, what yeah. you, you got an update for us, Jake? We do not have a definitive update. He was wearing a boot on his foot during the game on Friday or on Saturday. Coach Smith didn't give a a definitive yes or no, so really not too sure on his availability. However, if he cannot play, Oregon State will likely be starting a walk-on at safety, so it's imperative for them. Kane or, or Josiah Johnson? Uh, Jack Kane. Josiah Johnson's out for the rest oh, of the year. Oh, is it pronounced Kane? Yeah, Kane. Okay. Yeah, you know, that that has been, let's stick with the safeties. You know, obviously, Kaitano Ladapo, mm-hmm. you know, who returns, been you know, Richard Sr., been around for a, a while. Ryan Cooper, been playing nickel uh, for a while. And then Akili Arnold was, was the third starter. I don't really have any questions about those guys other than the status of Akili Arnold. What has been curious to me is that I basically haven't seen anybody else, which has been which has been weird because they've got other dudes on scholarship, like including Skylar Thomas, you know, who played like 13 games last year, I think had like 29 tackles. I haven't seen Hayden or hair of him this year. Did, did yeah. I miss something? Uh, he tore his ACL in spring camp. He oh was no. An anticipated starter. He, I, I personally thought he was going to be Oregon State's best defensive back this season, but he um, tore his ACL oh, just before the spring game. Unfortunately. That sucks. Yeah. And, Expecting him to be back for 2024. And then the other one was um, was Alton Julian, who I know that he got hurt last or he was unavailable due to an injury mm-hmm. last year. But we were all sort of hoping and, and praying that he'd be, you know, uh, back this year. I think he's related to the the, the right. clan, yes. Right. Yep. They're cousins. Yeah, Skylar so Thomas, Julian and the Wrights are all. Kind yeah, of. exactly. There, it's uh, this whole like ball, and then they're all connected to the Last Chance U. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's an interesting story. Anyway, I haven't seen him either. Does that mean he's not? He he he, un, he didn't recover fully from the injury, or, or what's up? So Julian was cleared. He played in four games and then suffered another injury oh, no. to the same knee. Had another surgery, and which is his third in three years, and he is done Gosh. for. The remainder of the season oh boy uh this really stinks yeah okay other dudes uh who i on scholarship but i haven't seen winston russell and carlos mack yeah both guys that have played uh, a bit on special teams but haven't seen any defensive snaps this season mm-hmm. and then they got a transfer um i think a late transfer Jaden young from arizona um i also don't think i've seen him 
Yeah, you know, the same story. He's played on special teams, uh, played a little bit against Stanford. You know, the thing that's surprised me about this whole safety group or safety plus nickel group is I've really only seen basically three guys, you know, the starters all season long, Oladapo, Cooper and Arnold. And those guys are, are, are great as far as it goes. But number one, they can't really rotate. So there's sort of a freshness issue in and of itself. And second of all, if somebody's hurt, as you said, they're they're going to to a, a walk on in, in Kane or J- Josiah Johnson. That's kind of a surprising, you know, depth situation to be in. What, what do you think about that, Jake? Do you, do you think this room has been appropriately managed or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, the secondary is just banged up right now. They yeah. are missing really the only one of their guys that heading into the season was going to that they thought was going to play a lot. That's fully healthy is Katana Wadabu, and that's including mm-hmm. the cornerbacks. Josiah Johnson, too, is also out. Not expecting to see him on oh. Saturday. Haven't seen him since week six or seven so Mm. not anticipating josiah johnson's available um the coaching staff does really like jack Conne. they they have had him in front of those scholarship guys uh like russell drake vickers young even when they were healthy so they're confident in Conne. um but really oregon state historically hasn't rotated in the secondary a whole ton they kind Mm -hmm. of get their five six guys and stick to that um, and you, you have kind of seen that this year throughout the course of a game. The personnel have just changed because of injuries. Yeah. They still don't really rotate. It's just the faces are different each and every week because guys get banged up. Yeah. And then did you – you said that, uh, you know, the only guy who is healthy is – fully healthy is Oladapo. Does that mean that there's something going on with Cooper? Yeah. You know, Cooper's been – hampered with an injury all year it was was his calf hamstring don't remember exactly Hmm. he has been playing he's missed two games fully anticipate cooper to be playing on friday okay not fully 100 percent, but he might be oregon state's best secondary player best cover man so having him at full strength would have helped a lot particularly against washington but yeah i mean just i mean he played against washington i thought he actually played yeah pretty decently but played solid but he's not fully healthy right now cornerbacks so they last at the end of last year they lost both uh, uh alex austin and rajon wright to to the nfl i really thought both of those guys were a huge part of the the defensive you know the fact that the de- defense was so good for oregon state last year and so they had a big task in, in front of them in replacing those two guys we sort of knew who one of them was going to be Jaden robinson a redshirt senior who replaced whichever one of them sat out in the bowl i don't really have questions about Jaden robinson you know we we know who who he is the uh what surprised me has been the other guy uh you know they they brought in the because because there's basically no other experience in the room mm-hmm. it was it, like in 2022 is basically a, a three or maybe more accurately to say like a 2.5 man rotation it was like right in austin you know pretty much all the time and then like a bit of robinson yeah and then like nobody else so even though there were like three returners on the team in, in mason swen and noble thomas you know, not 
to be mixed up with Skylar Thomas. I don't even think those two are related. It's just a coincidence, right? Yeah, just coincidence. Like, you know, all three of those guys were uh, were were true freshmen last year. They were 2022s. And so, like, yeah, they redshirted. They didn't get any experience last year. Yeah, it was Jaden Robinson. And then it was like question mark. So they brought in three new guys. They brought in Tyrese Ivy from the uh, Juco ranks who, you know, we saw him play in the spring game. And I was like, OK, there's your your other cornerback. Uh, but then two true freshmen, Jermon McCoy and Andre Jordan. And uh, the surprise to me, maybe like the biggest surprise of, of the entire defense to me is that McCoy has turned out to play, you know, a lot more than I even I would characterize him at this point of the season. Tell me if you disagree, Jake, I would characterize him as the other starter. And, and then I would say the, the, the backups are Ivy and Noble Thomas. And then uh, like a little bit of Andre Jordan, the other true freshman. And then I basically haven't seen Mason and Swen. Do you think I have all that right? So Tyrese Ivy, he suffered a season ending elbow injury. Um, oh, in oh, week man. six, he is out for the year. So, and then when Tyrese, well, here I just thought that McCoy just straight up took his job, but no. like, no, he just got hurt. So, okay. Well, so Tyrese and Jermod were both kind of going back and forth. Tyrese went down. And then at that, at this time, Noble Thomas came back from his um, torn hamstring and he started four games at nickel. And when that happened, they slid Cooper out to play corner. But then Thomas went down. We haven't seen him play in four weeks. Imagine we won't see him this next weekend as well. So we can kind of infer another season ending injury there. Oh, and then Jesus. from there, Jermon McCoy has kind of regained that spot. And he's been solid. Um, but then Jaden Robinson went down with an injury in the second half of the game against Washington yeah. um, on Saturday, which led another true freshman um, in Andre Jordan to step in. So Oregon State very well could have two true freshmen starting at corners on Friday. So I saw that about Robinson, but I thought, okay, I, I thought that he was just getting some Gatorade. Like he's out, out. He left the game against Washington. Coach Smith said he's optimistic, cautiously optimistic that Robinson will be able to go on Saturday. So not definitively out, but he very well could be unavailable. Well, it is crazy that Washington was not able to put up more points, you know, given the status of this secondary. I really, uh, I'm wondering how much I can, I'm sort of talking out loud right now. Were you at the game? Yes. I, I wasn't. I'm watching it on my television screen. You know, ESPN shoots in 720 at best. It's hard for me to tell what the how much the rain affected the game or even like how much it was raining um, or even how much it was raining at different points in the game. Like at one point, the commentators were talking about, oh, the rain sort of let up. And I'm like, I can't tell if the rain is actually let up or not. Jake, can you tell me just for my purposes of charting the game and then maybe putting an asterisk next to it? How much do you think the rain affected the passing game uh, on Saturday? Yeah, it was, so it's actually kind of funny. Washington threw the ball better and play better on offense when it was raining harder. Huh. It was really coming down in the first half, just dumping down rain. And then it started to ease up in the third quarter. And then by the fourth quarter, it was kind of just sprinkling, um, hmm. which is interesting because. That's Oregon when they State, were playing the worst. Yeah, You're right. Oregon State, they didn't allow a single point to Washington in the second half. So I know. And like several kind of, of interesting. several of, of Penix's passes. I mean, that's so crazy because several of his passes like on like on third down that are sort of drive enders where it's like, well, that's why you didn't get any points. Uh, I'm like, it was 
I'm not trying to like say Oregon State had a bad defense or anything here. Like I'm just saying that I don't think that Oregon State's defense had anything to do with it. It was just he threw that ball into the stands, you know, and so I'm like, oh, it must be the rain. And here you're telling me like, oh, no, it was just a sprinkle. So I'm like, wow, that's a real that's crazy. Yeah. The, the the first half of the rain was really bad, but it, it definitely eased up um, towards the second half. Weird. Gosh, that's weird. Um, well, he must just have the flu again. I'm sure Washington fans will come <laughs> with some excuse. They always do. Okay, so well, let's get back to the cornerbacks. So uh, Ivy is definitely out. Yes. Robinson may or may not be out. I'd put uh, that one out of 50-50. Noble Thomas is doubtful. So we're potentially down. So that's why you say Oregon State is potentially down to the two true freshmen, Jermon McCoy and Andre Jordan. And of the two of those, uh, Andre Jordan has seen, uh, Jermon McCoy has seen some fairly extensive run, but Andre Jordan hasn't. Yes. Jordan really hasn't seen a whole ton of action. He really was mostly a special teams guy, got mm-hmm. a little bit of corner play against Stanford in garbage time, but then kind of got thrown into the fire this past weekend and going up against Washington. That's a kind of, that, that would be a rough first game to play corner yeah. at, but he honestly held his own. He, he broke up a pass. He played yeah. solid. And then Jermod McCoy, he's been one of the better defensive backs for Oregon state this season. He's not playing like a true freshman. He has two interceptions. Uh, he's broken up six passes now. He's played really well this year. Yeah, and definitely in a tough situation too. You know, like uh, I mean, if they're down to two true freshmen, gosh, wrap those guys in bubble wrap, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like don't let them take the bus. You know. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all my all my questions about. Unless there's anybody I've missed that you think uh, is worth talking about. Um, no, not on the secondary. Um, the, the, uh, gosh, I, you know, honestly learning, I, I'm, I'm really surprised by all these injuries. Like yeah. I, uh, this is, um, honestly that Oregon state has played this well on the defense, given all this injury situation is, is, uh, you know, very impressive. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, when, when, when Bray took over for Tibisar, I sort of thought that was a, a deck chairs on the Titanic thing. Like I, I sort of thought that that was a like, look, man, it, you know, this is about, you know, th- this is about recruiting and about not having a nose tackle. Bray's just a Tibisar protege, like this sort of playing better at the end of that season when he was promoted was just about playing Stanford and an ASU team that was about to fire its coach. And then they, you know, got run out of the stadium in the bowl game. And I was like, see everybody like, you know, Bray's not, doesn't have magic powers. And then, you know what? The 2022 season was pretty damn good, you know, but I was like, hey, it's a bunch of six year seniors. It'd be good under anybody. But you know what? This 2023 season with all of these injuries are starting to make me like begrudgingly perhaps say like actually maybe this dude does know what he's doing like given all these injuries these guys are really punching above their weight class I gotta say like you know all things considered not bad yeah I mean Trent Bray has been fantastic at Oregon State the defense ever since Mike Riley left the Gary Anderson era with Kevin Clune as defensive coordinator heading into and then transitioning into Jonathan Smith's first few years with Tim Tibisar, it was just disastrous. There was tackling issues, scheme issues, alignment issues. And then really as 
it's the first game of Trent Bray's tenure, there was a, a flip that was switched. And the Oregon State defense has been way better. And um, really, Trent Bray is outside of Coach M, Coach Jim Mahalchek, uh Trent Bray is the one coach that is really crucial for Oregon State to keep if they want to sustain the level of success that they've had over the past two seasons. Jake Hedberg of Beaver Blitz, thanks so much for talking to us. Uh, this game, I mean, I don't got to tell you, it's it's going to mean a whole lot to the winner and the loser is yeah. going to be pretty bummed. <laughs> but thanks so much <laughs> yeah. for hopping on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. See you, Jake. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. That's right. And uh, hopefully I'll catch you soon. Cool. This has been the Quack 12 Podcast. We'll see you all next week. Quack, quack.